Lord King of glory and majesty, we want to bless you for this morning and want to bless you for being our King and being the God in whom we find our rest and our completeness of life. Your word is written in Acts chapter 17 and verse 26 onwards. It says that for all were made out of Adam, one man called Adam, and were made my heavenly Savior, and you determine the places of our board and our boundaries that we may seek you, that being our main purpose, that we may seek you and find you, even when you're not very far, that we may grow up for you. And you say that for in you we move, live, and have our being. We want to pray that will help us, King of glory, to get to know that without you we are nothing. We are lost. We can't be full. There's the illusion of having uh, seemingly everything in life and fighting to get women and money and silver and gold and honor and fame. But at the end of the day, there's so much emptiness, my King of glory. So we pray that you teach us to live after you and find our satisfaction and fullness in you and you alone. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Amen, amen, amen. Um, a blessed, blessed, wonderful day, my dear friend, wherever you're picking this message from. My name is Leverand uh, Tevi Kagwa, your friend and servant that is reaching you with a message of Christ uh, this morning. Our friends have been in a time of prayer and seeking the Lord and not for anything in particular. Well, there were things that I was praying for that are um, private, but basically uh, one of the major reasons was I just wanted to get deeper and closer to the Lord. And uh, one thing that came out was the amazing message that we have today that I'm going to be sharing with you. And I want to urge and implore you to be able to share it with others. This is my prayer. If you can do it, uh, like uh, explaining what is going to flow through your life, because I want to tell you it's powerful. You can also just give them this audio, so let them get to listen to it. One time I was watching a video on social media, and someone was uh, giving cakes and bananas to um, a baboon. Was it a monkey? To a monkey. And uh, he kept like bringing one after the other, one after the other. And uh, the monkey had been domesticated, and it kept biting at the other. And then uh, when he brought another, he he put this in his bosom and then reached out um, for the next. <laughs> and he brought another immediately, and he was biting this. And uh, no sooner had he brought this than he brought another. Like And the monkey kind of got uh, confused, and it kept piling stuff and biting this and biting the other. And before it knew it, it was losing stuff, and it was just going through it. Uh, you, you see that? Friends, that basically um, represents our delicious nature, our, you know, desirous, gluttonous nature uh, that does not stop at anything to get more. I mean, how much is much and how little is little? Today, I want to share about a topic that is entitled Finding Our Satisfaction in the Lord or simply Resting in the Lord. Friends, as I speak even right now today, uh, in my personal research, about 80% of people, 80 to 90% of humans um, are lost in finding things, in work, in, in, in accumulating wealth, fame, and stuff of that nature. And they think by getting this, then their life is going to be defined um, by, by what they have. Uh, we have you know, a misconception within us that drives us in a direction to the point of thinking that probably when I get some more dollars, if I get this woman, now mine is a little bit dark, let, let me get one with a light skin complexion. And I, if I get that kind of woman, <laughs> then I will have settled, then I will have nailed it 
Friends, this is an illusion. It is a mirage, a distant mirage. It is a misconception. You never, um, you know, settle it at that point. There is absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. So today we are going to, we've been doing studies and we still are doing studies in the book of First Kings. And today what we have is a, a First Kings chapter 4. And uh, it will be verse 1 to uh, verse basically the entire chapter but what i'm going to do is i'm going to read verse one to verse six and then i'll paraphrase verse seven to uh, verse um, 19 and then i'll read again verse 20 uh, to the end and uh, you know selected verses because uh, the message will be able to come out even when i don't do every verse um, in terms of reading but i'll pull them out in terms of and the message and exposition. I praise the Lord. This is Solomon that we are looking at. First Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now King Solomon was king over all Israel. Uh, these were his officials. Azariah, the son of Zadok, was the priest. Uh, Eli, Horef, and Ahijah, the sons of uh, Shisha. Not the normal Shisha that you know, but <laughs> Shisha were secretaries. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilod was the recorder and Benaiah the son of uh, Jehoiada was over the army and Zadok uh, um, and Abiatha were priests and Azariah the son of Nathan were over the deputies and Zebud the son of Nathan a priest was the king's friend. Now NIV renders it better because NIV interprets that as uh, was the king's advisor and that is uh, rendered a better translation. Uh, my study usually is in New American Standard, but we shall follow NA, N, uh, we shall follow NIV uh, in terms of verse 5. It's a key verse when the time comes. You see that. Uh, and verse 6 says, And Abiatha was over the household, and Adoniram, the son of Abda, was over the men subject to forced labor. Now verse 7 to verse uh, and uh, 19 basically speaks of the divisions of the entire land of Israel under Solomon being put under what he called district governance. There were 12 district governors. That is what he, he, he basically talks about in those verses. And uh, the major focus is that each one of them had a responsibility to provide for Solomon and the royal establishment for a month. Uh, and you're going to see the provisions thereafter. So I'm skipping those verses, but I've given you their main gist. Uh, over there. So um, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says, Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. And now Solomon ruled over the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. Uh, they brought Tubit and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal. I'll interpret that. Uh, 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture-fed oxen. What? A hundred sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fall. For he had dominion over everything west of the river, from uh, Tifsa even to Gaza, over all the kings west of the river. And he had peace on all sides around uh, about him. You hear that? So Judah and Israel lived in safety, every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots, and you know this was against the will of the Lord, and 12,000 horsemen. Those deputies provided for King Solomon and all who came to um, King Solomon's table, 
each in his uh, month they left nothing lacking they also brought barley and straw for the horses and swift steeds uh, to the place where it should be each according to his charge now god gave solomon wisdom very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on uh, the seashore solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all uh, the sons of the east and all the wisdom of egypt for he was wiser than all men than ethan the israelite Haman, Kalko, and dada the sons of mahol and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations he also spoke three thousand proverbs and his songs were a thousand and five he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in lebanon even to the hyssop that grows on the walls he spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom there ends our reading now friends <laughs> what more should i say here what more should i say friend if there is a man that has ever lived down uh, this side of heaven on the face of the earth if there's a man that had it all so complete even beyond david in terms of wealth wisdom and achievement uh, this man would be Solomon. If you want to get to know later on when uh, uh, the kingdom is uh, divided and is waning, later on when they speak of men like Jeroboam who tried to uh, bring back Israel to uh, his glory days, even when he was that sinful, you know the Lord granted that kind of affluence for a reason. Uh, for it was his grace that wanted to draw uh, the people back unto himself. But when they speak of um, uh, this affluence and success uh, in terms of um, physical affluence, you, you know what they do? They relate it back to the boundaries and uh, to the times of Solomon. Why? Because in the history of Israel, it was the epitome, or it was the, 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 the point of climax in terms of in terms of wealth and uh, achievement and peace and, and things of that nature that is what it, it it was now friends when it comes to life many of us are lost in seeking the things of the world in 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 seeking education i i want to do another master's i want to do a phd and those are not necessarily bad in any way and not at all but we are saying when they become the center of your focus let me get this money and when i get this money i know i'm going to be well i shall be sorted let me get this woman let me get the other they are women that are built in various shades they come in all shades and shapes and you, you know you look at this you look at one with a, a light skin complexion you look at one with a dark skin complexion you look at a tall one you look at a short one but there's a special way that they are crafted in such a way that they shall glorify the lord now the problem that we have as men every time you look at this or the other you're like oh my god now look at this daughter of eve did this one land yesterday or what now lord have mercy please forgive me in adverse. not so yes you ask him and make the rest at the same time <laughs> you see that and then you go right ahead i hear you're repenting ahead of time there is nothing like that there are lots of things that are taking us you find people that are killing others for land in issues of that nature now how much is much and how little is little that is what we want to look at today our theme is entitled finding our satisfaction in the lord or resting in the lord
I told you that in our studies of First Kings, there are several themes that filter through this book. And the theme that right now we are handling is uh, that um, the Lord is highly exalted over each and everything, and uh, we find our satisfaction in him. Remember that when Solomon comes onto the scene, he succeeds his father David, who had gotten into a covenant with the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 16. It's a covenant of him having an uh, everlasting leadership or and sons that are going to come and succeed him on the throne of israel but ultimately you get to see that this had uh, redemptive connotations or redemptive implications you know finally you get to see that no human king can ever come and fill this camp no human king can be able to do that ideally you get to see that god was pointing to the reign of christ jesus you see ultimately that is what he was pointing to now if you're to judge Solomon, you're going to judge him on the basis of that agreement, of that covenant. You're going to judge him on the basis of the standard of God and not any other standard. Now, if you do that, you're basically going to see that Solomon was a failure. Yeah, that is what the Bible teaches. Praise the Lord. Now, to begin with, you're going to realize that Solomon, Solomon's kingdom and reign excelled basically in about uh, four um, dimensions. One, he had... Um, he had a complete, a completely well-set administration. Solomon had all, all sorts of people. He had that from advisors uh, to priests and everything. Later on, even in the days of Ahab, we see divisions. You know, when Ahab was going to fight against um, Assyria, Ben-Hadad. You see that God speaks to the prophet then and he says, who shall go first? And he says, the district governance. All that organization was set up by Solomon because of his wisdom. It was still standing up to that day. Can you see that? He had advisors, he had priests. You could say that everything was in place. You see that? Secondly, when it comes to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7 to 19, you realize that Solomon had divided the entire nation into various districts, and each district had um, a particular governor. Three, he had supplies for every month, an abundance that we are going to see. Four, he had peace on every frontier. Everyone lived under his vine. That is what it says. Now, that is a millennial language. It is a millennial language. Uh, you see, it's not entirely millennium here, but you get to see that in the days of Solomon, people were living in them. Um, um, some sort of lesser version of the millennium reign. Eh? It is a lesser version of the millennium reign. The, I mean, there was total peace, there was affluence, people lived at peace, you know, from, uh, he reigned from, when he says the river, I think that is Euphrates to Egypt. In other words, everything that is possible in terms of peace, success, and affluence, politically, socially, and economically, uh, was in the days of Solomon. But friends, when you look at the life of Solomon, it doesn't actually um, appeal to you as one life that was completely settled. Not at all. Uh -huh. So let us do a proper analysis of this. Let us do a proper postmortem of this situation. And you're going to find that you cannot find your satisfaction in anything in the world. And friend, we are simply wasting time. If we do it apart from the Lord, basically that is what it is. 
Now you're going to realize that despite all this, Solomon lived quite an empty life when he departed from the Lord. I want you to remember that in his early days, he still knew the Lord and he had sought him in 1 Kings chapter 3. We see him going to Gibeon and seeking the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 3 from uh, uh, verse 6 onwards, you get to see that. But you're going to find that Solomon could not actually derive satisfaction from any of his success apart from the Lord or separated from the Lord, if held separate from the Lord. Now, first and foremost, we get to see the first weakness here arising in First uh, uh, Kings chapter 4 and verse 5. The Bible says, And uh, Azariah, um, the son of Nathan, was over the deputies, and uh, Zabud, the son of uh, the son of Nathan, a priest, was um, the king's advisor. Now you're going to realize that this is uh, a little bit of a conundrum. It is a paradox in a way. Now, when you go to First Kings chapter four and verse twenty-nine, the Bible says, "Now God gave Solomon's wisdom, and and now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and bravery of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore." Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, than Ezraite, um, Haman, Calcol, and Dada, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. Now, I want, you, I want us to understand this very well. When God says that Solomon was wiser um, than all men of the East, basically, in the Near East, at that time, it was upheld that every wise man came from the East. And this is why uh, the Gospels speak of um, the three wise men that came from the East to come and uh, uh, see Christ and worship him. You see that? But Solomon was wiser than all these men. But then there's a conundrum here, a paradox here, to the point that in verse 5, the Bible says, even Solomon needed an advisor. What? <laughs> you see that? So, even Solomon needed an advisor. The Lord is simply pointing to you here that Solomon, uh, even when he was appointed to be king and the wisdom that he got was to help him do proper administration and therefore honor the Lord in his leadership, because his leadership wasn't simply going to be leadership for the sake of being a king. He was meant to honor the Lord. He was in a, a holy kingdom that was meant to bring a savior. In other words, Solomon was a minister of God that was meant to manifest um, the divine attributes of leadership and also um, preside in justice and therefore um, uh, bring the presence of the Lord before the people. Basically, that is what it is. And friends, every single person that is appointed in a position of leadership, whether in church or in civil leadership, basically, that is our calling. It baffles me and actually uh, break, makes me break into prayer for our leaders when they forget that they definitely are going to have an accountability to give before God for every action of every act of injustice, of perjury, of corruption, of simony that they are, are perpetuating over the people all over the world, not just in Uganda. There are things you look at and are like, God, can this be possible? Do we need a two a, a 2.5 billion car for a speaker or 3 billion car for a president in a, a cassava republic where people are dying of hunger? Do we really need that kind of thing? These are things that um, we are going to have to give an accountability about. And all over the, the world as well. You see, we need to think about this. Solomon was going to be judged on the premise of um, 
uh, you know, a divine standard. God didn't just make him a king uh, just for the sake of enjoying himself. He made him king uh, in line with a covenant that had been uh, uh, concluded with, with David. He was meant to know that through him um, was flowing messianic blood. He definitely had to know that. So that is the first shortcoming that we see there. Secondly, we realize that under his leadership from uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7 to um, verse 19, he had set up uh, a, a wonderful, magnanimous administration. And one of his major uh, roles was to ensure that there was a constant supply line and provision for the king. You see, speaking of value chains, <laughs> you, 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 you see that? Now, when you go to verse 20, look here, he says, Judah and Israel were as numerous, Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. You remember the covenant that God concluded with uh, um, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? This is what he told him, that your descendants will be as numerous uh, as the, 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 the sun crystals, uh, the, the sea sun crystals, you know? Of course, that has uh, um, millennial intonations, but we are saying even before we get to the millennium, you get to see the reign of Solomon having um, um, a, a millennial inclinations and dispositions here about it. Uh, you see, uh, as the sea show, uh, and they were eating and drinking and rejoicing. Now Solomon ruled over all the kingdom from the river to the land of the Philistines, to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now even when they seem to be, they seems to be peace right now, there is something that I'm going to show you that this apart from Christ is not going to work. Look at Solomon. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores. Eh? 30 cores. You know what that means? It's a lot of provision. Was uh, 30 cores. Um, uh, 30 cores. Uh, now, uh, this translates to, um, you know, about 10 bushels uh, of fine flour and 60 cores of meal. Now, this is about 5,000 uh, 5, kilograms a year of flour and then 6,000 kilograms of meal. Yeah, you see that? <laughs> we are speaking of one day, my dear friend, one day, 10 fat oxen, yeah, one day, 20 pasture-fed oxen. There were these that were raised in stalls, and then there are those that were fed on pasture, yeah, those were 23. A hundred sheep besides deer, gazelle, roebucks, and fattened four. Little wonder, therefore, that finally when uh, the Queen of Sheba comes, a very wealthy woman on in her own right, when she comes and she looks at the administration of Solomon and uh, the food and everything that was laid before him, uh, she she <laughs> the Bible says that there, there was no wisdom uh, left in her. Yeah, there was no wisdom left in her. And she said, you know what? They lied to me. They told me very little. But <laughs> going by what I see here. Yeah, you see that? The Bible says when you go to First Kings chapter 10, that um, um, verse 21, it says, All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None was of silver. It was not considered valuable in the days of Solomon. For the king had at sea the ships of Tarshish with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years, the ships of, uh, ships of Tarshish came bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. 
So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his hand. They brought uh, every man his gift, articles of silver and gold and garments, weapons, spices and horses and mules, so much um, um, each year by year. Eh? You, 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 <laughs> you, you hear that? Solomon, in the days of Solomon, silver was like common stone. That's what the Bible says. But I want to show you something, that even when things were uh, this way, this much, in the days of Solomon, yeah, um, you, you could easily have thought that maybe everything could, could, could have been in order. But Solomon himself writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I just want to show you something. I want to read this passage verbatim so you can see. If your heart is bent on accumulating wealth apart from God, uh, getting women apart from God, and, and all those kind of things, and of course you can't have women and you're with God. You just can only have a woman. Yeah. Look at what Solomon says in, in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the word of the Lord says, I say to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself and behold, I too was, and behold, it too was futility. I said of laughter, it is madness and of pleasure. What has it accomplished? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of uh, their lives. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks uh, for myself and I planted in them all kinds of uh, fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing uh, trees. I bought male and female slaves and I had homeborn slaves. Can you imagine? He even got profits out of slaves. Eh? He bought slaves and uh, it was like a woman slave plus a, a male slave equals baby slaves. Profits. <laughs> you see that? He planted forests and we are speaking of a, of a desert. How rich was this man? You see, he had live music, band. Eh? He says, Shiba, come and says, ah, you too naked, just go. Says, Kamiri, come and he's like, ah, and now he, President Waban, to you come and he's like, no comment, I don't want to get into issues with some of you. Praise the Lord. You, you, you see that? This, this is what this guy had. Solomon's problem was how do I spend and finish this money? It wasn't how do I make this money? You, you see that? Also, I collected for myself silver, that is verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 2, uh, silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female sinners and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Mm. Speaking of concubines, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 10 uh, and uh, chapter 11 and verse 4, you're going to realize that Solomon had only 700 wives and 300 spare tires, side dishes, concubines. The last time I counted arithmetically, 700 plus 300 equals 1,000. <laughs> you see that? So a quick math will show you that uh, Solomon needed two years, four months, and seven days just to make one, what do they call it? One chisanja, one round, visiting his women. Uh, you see, 
he goes to this musoga woman and says mama na muganza ndikwira mango i'm coming back very soon don't worry i'm just going to give them one day that meant if he came back soon it would have to be two years four months and seven days and then he goes to the muchiga mother mama tinka similar and says mama tinka similar nizagaruka mwana we and then goes to <laughs> goes to the Muganda woman. Mama Nalunga says, Mama Nalunga That meant two years, four months, and seven days. What? Can you imagine? That, that, that is what he had. But then finally, when you come to verse 10, let, let me just read verse 9. He says, Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded in Jerusalem preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart for my pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this is uh, my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity. In striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Friends, this is the point we are making today. How much is much, and how less is less, or how little is little? How much is much? Much without the Lord is nothing. In little with the Lord could end up making a lot of sense. Now, I'm not advocating for poverty here or for essentially, essentially for wealth per se. Not at all. In fact, it is Proverbs 11.22 that teaches and says, it is the, the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and upon it adds no iniquity. God is not against the rich or the poor. God is simply saying the moment you put wealth or success or fame or achievement at the center of your focus, then you've lost it. It's going to be empty. Finally, Solomon is getting the lesson of his life by discovering that by basically focusing on wealth, on silver, on gold, on women, eh, and not focusing on the Lord, then he's losing it. This is why he finally uh, rediscovers in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 and says, uh, now this is the conclusion. When all, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. You see that? He finally comes back to his senses. Friends, you look at people that are striving and, um, you know, um, you know, elbow kicking others and, you know, blackmailing others and uh, making all sorts of, uh, you know, mudslinging and issues of that nature because they want positions, people that are killing others for land, you know. Men that are sleeping with other women every single day because you saw one that has nice boys' quarters, you saw one that has dazzling eyes, you saw another and you say, Angel, baby, even when you're not buying her pampas, and you're like, you're telling her all this crap, and women somehow enjoy it, and they start counting their fingers endlessly or slashing the grass around them by hand picking it. And you find them seated, and you're like, Why do we have to get grass uh, cutters? And yet these guys are here. And they tell them things and they go like, eh, eh. <laughs> okay, I guess I never look at it. No, you see? And they're busy into all this crap. Friends, it comes to nothing. The Bible warns in Matthew 16, 26 and says, for what shall it profit a man if they shall have the whole world or lose their own soul? Nothing. 
Solomon had it all. He's not like us that are, you know, hustling to get all this stuff. He came from the point of spending the stuff. He wasn't a hustler. Now, what about you that is hustling? How much is much? And how much are you going to derive out of that stuff? Friends, this is where the point of the writer is. And this is the very reason that uh, the writer of um, uh, Psalms 146 uh, cautions us. And he says, because, you know, these princes, uh, princes had uh, all these kind of um, privileges. People had um, a tendency of even wanting to worship them. But look at what he says in uh, Psalm 146. He says, uh, the psalmist says, do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. You see that? How blessed is he whose help is God, the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, is God, who made heaven and earth. In other words, he tells you that these men that you're trusting, that you want to uh, think are doing very well, I mean, don't have much. After a short while, they are mere dew. They are gone. They are like breath. They are gone after some time. Friends, God has wired you to derive his satisfaction from him. In Genesis 2, 7, he says, and God created man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him and man became a living soul or a living being in other words you live off him in acts chapter 17 and verse 26 the word of the lord teaches that he created all of them out of one man adam and uh, um decided their boundaries you see and the times of their abode that they may seek the lord and grow for him even when he's not very far and he says verse 28 for in him we live move and have our being friends that is what it is we are like sheep uh, we, we, we 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 are like sheep in the fold or over um you know a shepherd once the shepherd doesn't take care of them they are gone once they doesn't uh, take them um before good pasture they are gone this is why david uh, has this analogy of the lord is you know, patronage over his life in Psalm 23, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, yeah? He takes me by the still waters. He lies me by uh, the, 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 the green pasture. This is the image. We are like fish in the water. Once you remove it, it is gone. Friends, that is what it is, yeah? When I am focused on the Lord and I seek him and I'm in prayer, sometimes in fasting, and I'm repenting my sin and I'm walking with him, friends, Basically, all the sequels, the sequels of life and the waves basically are stilled. Not that the problems are not there, but there's a way that the Lord lifts you above these waves, you know? And this is why I love that song that says, When the oceans rise and thunders roar. <clears throat> you, you, you know that song? I will soar with you above the storm. You see? Father, you are king over the flood. I'll be still, know you, Ragad. You see that? And I sing it in Lingala because I speak Lingala. Atambongepe, mopepe gungyan. Ilongotoko, mata likolo. You see that? You see that? Basically, it's the same song. It's the same song. When the oceans rise, you know, and the thunders roll, I'll soar with you. I'll be able to stand above the storm. This is what God does. Finally, 
you're going to find your rest in Christ Jesus because ultimately I told you that uh, scripture is wasn't ju- just about that scripture wasn't just about um, Solomon having a reign in Israel but it was in line with uh, the covenant that God had made with uh, David to bring peace unto um, the sons of Israel and daughters of Israel, but Solomon in that regard basically failed. Why? God is showing you that whether it is a smart king like Solomon or an evil king like Jeroboam or Ahab, all of them are going to fail except one that walks in the line of a David and ultimately um, not David himself because David in a way was blessed by God. Yes, he's the best Israelite king, but ideally he's pointing to Christ that is going to come and reign with a scepter of righteousness. You see, like the Psalms teach, and this is why he teaches uh, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, and he says, um, uh, he, he says here, that which you have prepared for the presence of all your people, and um, uh, he, he, he says here that, um, um, you, you know, um, he speaks of, of of Christ that is going to come uh, and in, in the birth of um, uh, Jesus Christ, he speaks of him uh, coming. And uh, uh, here we see uh, Simeon speaking of Christ and he says, now, Lord, verse 29, you are releasing your born servant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You see that? Uh, basically, this is what was promised, and it basically comes uh, through uh, Christ Jesus. He comes through Christ Jesus. Later in uh, Matthew, uh, the Lord uh, talks to Mary and he says, Do not be afraid because um, you're carrying this uh, baby, and um, he is going to be the Savior. Of the world look also does it let me just do Luke chapter 1 verse 31 as a wind up he says here in a verse 31 and he says and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus he'll be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and this kingdom will have no end you see that? So he reigns in peace when he comes over the house of David and it is an ultimate reign. May the Lord bless you, friend. What is it that is taking your peace and is releasing you into all this confusion and failure and um, unsettledness in your life? Let me tell you, it's good to work. Go right ahead and work. But balance your work. In fact, bring it to submission to the Lord. Do not go into corruption and perversion, perjury, simony at work. It's not going to help. When you see these women, there are these beautiful women that you look at. Remember, you have your own at, at, at home. And God gave you a chance in the big wide world since you made your peak. Stick with it. You know, when you see her at work and she has these dazzling eyes, it is okay. Eh? Just look to the Lord and say, how great thou art. And look away from her and start singing that song. Okay? It will help you. You know, the little that you have, let that be sufficient, friend. Your fullness is in Christ. It is not in how much you're going to be siphoning into your way. This should also go to our leaders who should get to ponder the situation under the plight of our people. You know, the little that you have um, uh, with the Lord is, is, is much more uh, greater than anything else. Look at Proverbs, uh, that is what Proverbs 15, 16 teaches. Better is, a, in, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. 
you see better is, is a dish of vegetables uh, where love is than a verdant ox served with hatred you see that that's what the lord teaches better is a little with the fear of the lord than great treasure in turmoil with it that's where the problem is my dear friend if you don't know christ it's going to be very hard for you to find satisfaction in life i just want to tell you that you live an empty life you live for pleasure in first timothy 5 uh, must be eight teaches that he who loves pleasure is dead even if they're walking you see that may the lord bless you even as you pour upon this message may the lord bless you today seek your satisfaction in him in him alone and may the lord bless you as you seek him if you don't know christ jesus as your pastor lord and savior may you come to him and tell him dear lord today i surrender to you uh fill me up and let me drive, derive my satisfaction from you give me your holy spirit and let him walk with me direct me Comfort me, calm me through every trouble, uh, every single day. Make me overcome my sin, my flesh, the world, and the devil that remains me in this world. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. May God bless you and give you satisfaction. I particularly pray for people that are struggling, that are struggling, getting this loan after the other, going to think and after think, going to real people after real people, pride, and you're basically using loans to service loans. May the Lord give you satisfaction in Him. May you live simple but fulfilling lives in Christ Jesus. And the Bible teaches in Luke chapter 12 that the, the life of a man, verse 15, is not in the plenty of things that they have. May the Lord bless you and give you satisfaction through him and in him, him alone. Not women, not men, not positions, not fame, not power. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may he give you rest. May you rest in the Lord. May you rest in him alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you.